0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Energy Podcast. On this week's episode, we'll be breaking down the results from the Charlotte Regional Championships this past weekend, the largest regionals to date. We'll be talking about some drama that came out after the tournament lying and deceit, and drama and intrigue in the Pokemon TCG. We will, of course, have everyone's favorite segment, Guess That Flavor Text. And then we're going to wrap up this episode by talking about the Liverpool Regional Championships coming up this weekend, where the meta's going, make some predictions. And then we're going to have our exclusive bonus episode over on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Uncommon Energy Podcast. If you'd like to support us and get a 30-minute extra bonus episode from us every single week, my name is Chip She Joined here, as always, in a different location. Actually, well, the same location for me. New location for Azul, that's right, Chip Ritchie here with Azul, G-G, what's going on Azul, how we doing man?
1: I'm doing pretty good Chip, just got back from uh, the championship over in Charlotte, did not have as good a run as I would have liked. You didn't get back, um, what are you talking about? Well I got back, well,
0: got back to here from there, yeah. but I wasn't here before. You were not here before. Um for anyone who's listening we are recording in person this week yeah i live pretty close to charlotte so Azul came home with me and we've been recording a couple things and we're recording the podcast here in person this week but yeah Yeah. charlotte came there from here i didn't have a great run
1: in charlotte but one thing that was great though yeah to come out of this weekend was the amount of support we got on the new youtube channel youtube.com slash Uncommon
0: underscore. Slash at. Slash at. That's
1: <laughs> yeah, new thing it is
0: weird. That's how they do it, yeah. Well, I
1: think you can still go get there by going to slash uncommon underscore energy. Okay. You don't have to do the app, but the ad is like a way to like interact with it on YouTube, maybe more specifically, to be honest. But uh, yeah, we new YouTube channel, new style of videos from us. New style of videos in general, I think, in the Pokemon TCG space. We're doing something a little bit different. Not completely different to other TCGs. A lot of people did make a connection between the, the our first video over on that channel compared to stuff that people do in Yu-Gi-Oh and Magic and all that kind of stuff. So um, not new for TCGs, but new for the Pokemon TCG space. So we're doing something different that's not really being done right now on the new YouTube channel. So make sure you go check it out. We've already got a ton of support on our first video. Yeah. And uh, we plan on being pretty consistent with our content. Um, at least, you know, a couple videos, hopefully shooting for like one to two videos a month to start off with.
0: Yeah, probably one video a month-ish Yeah, for the next quarter or so and we'll see if we can ramp it up from there but yeah really looking forward to what we've got going on the new uncommon energy channel thanks so much to all of you who already went over and subscribed almost but we're basically at 2,000 subscribers yeah. on that channel uh in one video with over 13,000 views at this point absolutely Good incredible start. yeah thank you guys so much and so many like super kind comments as well like people uh and that's something as well this weekend in charlotte i had a lot of people tell me like they loved watching the new evolution series. So yeah, if you didn't watch it yet, we're doing something called the evolution series, definitely drawing inspiration from, uh, Semo is a big Yu-Gi-Oh YouTuber. He did a series called the progression series with Yu-Gi-Oh. Also um, another YouTube channel, Team APS, who just in general, when I've recorded tabletop videos in the past, like I've always taken a lot of inspiration from them. So we uh, kind of tried to do some of the things that they were doing over there with Yu-Gi-Oh, on this new YouTube channel. And yeah, we had a great time making the first episode. It was a lot of fun and it seems like you guys really enjoyed it. So I really appreciate the support for sure. Uh, I was also in Charlotte, had a pretty good weekend. I did the casting, uh, spread up with Scarzig. We had a solid, solid weekend. I think we actually saw some super exciting games that top eight match specifically coming down to the wire with, it literally came down to PE for double Pokemon catcher. Two chances to flip heads to win. Otherwise, the guy just lost the next turn. It was super, super sick. A lot of really hype moments, which uh, I am always excited to see in the Pokemon TCG. And uh, yeah, I think with that being said, Azul, we can, speaking of Charlotte, hop in and talk about the results from the Charlotte Regional Championship. First off, largest regionals of all time. I actually saw a Twitter comparison between Charlotte last season in charlotte this season let me see if i can pull it up and find the tweet um but it was like 1100 players for tcg masters in charlotte last season and this year we had twenty one, twenty one, two thousand one hundred and twenty one tcg masters players crazy growth year over year
1: yeah yeah it's a little bit harder to judge because i don't know if we hit the cap last year or not so like maybe sure. we could have had like 1500 last year um and uh yeah the east coast ones always are, are Bound to be really, really big. But yeah, the growth is really good to see, of course. And we know what's been happening. Um, and I think we are starting to see the, the, the limit of it, though, right? Like, we're, try, we're starting to top out at where the growth potential is at, at least in North America. In Europe, it's a little bit harder to tell. Same thing with Latin America. They just finally got some more regionals on the schedule for Latin yeah. America. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully, those have bigger caps than 400. Was it 300 or 400, 400 people, I think? That's like been the, crazy. The first one they had. So hopefully, it's a little bit bigger than 400 players. Um, so we can see really how big the game is growing, in uh, in uh, in Latin America, um, uh. But yeah, you know, it's, it's great to see, of course. And well, uh, yeah, I don't even think was Charlotte even sold out. I don't think. I'm not one. sure that it was. There was yeah. definitely was open for a Space like. in
0: the venue, it felt like walking around, and that's another big. thing that was like, you know, props to the organizer. It did feel like there was plenty of space in the venue itself, uh, and I think that like that might have. Something to do with why this tournament um, you know, was able to sell so many seats, right? Like yeah. if you think about the Orlando Convention Center and how packed we were last year with fifteen hundred masters, plus like the like seven hundred fifty or whatever video game probably had. Uh, we were pretty crammed in that venue if you remember last year but that's a pretty big venue so hopefully well, there's
1: there plenty more halls thank yeah you. There, hopefully there we room. find bigger
0: halls and stuff like that yeah. but,
1: and you know, I guess uh, the bigger thing almost coming out of this weekend was the seniors getting their first day two that's right, right they had 247 I think they need 227 to trigger the day two had their first day two five round day two not six rounds because you do need 800 players to get there. But to have seeing the growth in the seniors and juniors divisions, like the juniors weren't that far, right? What was the number
0: for... Like 190-something? Yeah. Um, a lot. I'll so like
1: NAIC, if it's allowed,
0: juniors could have a day... Three day twos? Juniors was 195.
1: Yeah, that's, that's 32 players off. Yeah,
0: very close. So at NAIC, if
1: they allow like 300 juniors to register, um, I wouldn't be surprised if that cap hit. We could have a day two for juniors, seniors, and masters. Already this season... With just getting the first seniors day two. I feel like actually, but the juniors and seniors numbers are pretty comparable, it feels like, most of the time. They're pretty
0: They're pretty close. close they are right? pretty close, yeah. You know?
1: yeah. Um, so that's really cool to see. I think that's actually more telling, almost, for the growth of the game. Um, the Masters division is huge. It's been huge. It's been growing. But it's a good sign that we're seeing the juniors and seniors division start to hit new uh, new strides as well, right?
0: Yeah. So we did talk about the seniors day two setup and all that, uh, and it did end up being six and three did make it into day two, but it was not clean cut into day two. Several six and three players did miss. It looks yeah. like four of them missed out How on made cut. Four uh, on day two, not five, It looks like five or so. One, two, three, four, five, six. All right, so 630, 60, 40. 680, uh, 18 pointers made it. And if we look at the last round of Swiss, we can see what the record needed for top cut was. And yeah, 30 match points did not guarantee Gabriel Fernandez. Oh, oh Vinny's oh. brother, unfortunately bubbling out of top eight.
1: That would have been crazy if- both of the Fernandes had come over from brazil pretty insane masters
0: and seniors yeah that, crazy, that would have been so sick yeah gabriel and spoiler alert Vinny as well who we uh we haven't really talked about Vinny a lot on the podcast uh but we've both known who Vinny is for of a course, very yeah, long yeah. time um very
1: strong player in like the the COVID era yes in the online tournaments and then was a senior for the first post- i
0: remember even and i was ta- COVID I, ta- season. I talked about this on the broadcast this weekend like I feel like I remember back in like 2018, like seeing his name in Twitch chats and stuff. You know, oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like he's been around for like, and he has to have been like 11 or something like that. Whenever yeah. that was happening, so they've been playing the game forever. Gabriel Fernandez from Brazil, of course, the senior division world champion this year, uh, did not make it into the top eight, though. And um, actually,
1: it was funny. I think I even mentioned this. I was like, joke about it on the podcast a couple months ago, where it's like. Vinny, where are you at? Gabriel's like overshadowing you. Overshadowing <laughs> yeah, One World. Um, I think even won the region the only the Kur Chiba. I think Gabriel won that as well, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Uh, but yeah, of course Vinny's in Masters. it's a little bit more difficult. But Vinny getting that first major win, which I think is just kind of expected like to eventually happen. Um, you know, for how good of a player he is. It was kind of a matter-of-time situation more so than anything. For sure.
0: I mean, and it's his first year in Masters, and yeah. he talked about this on the broadcast this weekend, too. Like, they have not had that many tournaments. Yeah, Brazil. he hasn't been really been able to show. got top 16 in Curitiba. He got top yeah. 64 at LAIC. Two solid finishes, right? And yep. then wins in Charlotte this weekend. Part of the reason I think he, they said they came to Charlotte was because there just were, at the time, when they booked and stuff, like, no tournaments yeah. in South America, in Brazil, so... Uh, yeah, they just want
1: to play as Pokemon as much as the rest of us. And, like, it's not... I don't know how expensive it is. You, it doesn't seem like it's, like, that expensive for the Latin American players to they get to the East Coast events. Usually, there's quite a few at, like, the Florida regionals right. and stuff like that. I'm yeah. sure... I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see Vinny and Gustavo and stuff like that be in Flor- uh, Play in Florida as well. I feel like I usually see them... Um, or at least Gustavo and some of the other Latin American players come to, like, the, the Florida regional championship. So, um, and it's cool to see again because, to be honest, like I was saying, like... The last couple didn't feel as international as the first couple regionals in north america of the season yeah so it's really cool to see the brazilian players come over and gustavo as well made top eight right so gustavo and vinny in the top eight was really cool so it's really cool to like have yeah. them
0: feel a little bit more played each other in top four so we were like yeah. guaranteed a brazilian player uh in the finals, in the finals. well let's yeah. take a look at the day one meta breakdown for the tournament um Charizard EX, still holding still strong. Still at
1: 17. 17% 17.
0: number one most played deck in day one of the tournament.
1: Yeah, I was really feeling pretty confident in my predictions. I said it would come out to 14. I predicted Tina at 14 as well, so I thought it would be close between those two. But no, Charizard, solidly the number one deck. Yeah.
0: I would say. Now, and you, we talked about your tournament, uh, but we really didn't talk about what you played. You decided to play Heani Maridon yeah. for the event. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, in the past, you haven't been the big fan of Maridon, but obviously... Yeah. Ever since Paradox Rift came out, you know the deck, hands, what a big deal! Looks a lot different. It's I've always I've kind of said as well, like it feels like a Iron Hands deck that façades as a Maraudon deck. You know, <laughs> like you've got other good lightning stuff. Maraidon attacks sometimes when yeah. is like really getting you going, getting you set up, and it's all about the Iron Hands. Like that's why the deck is so strong right now. Uh, but yeah, what led to you deciding to to go with the Peony Meridon for this weekend? We um, see that Maraudon overall was the third most popular deck in day one.
1: Yeah. And we, I mean, we just kind of ran our process. Our predictions were the meta was going to be a little bit better for Maradon. Tina would be a little bit more popular. Charizard would be a little bit less popular. We expected Guardi and Mew to be a little bit more popular as well. We definitely did not predict Roaring Moon to be yeah almost 10%. And that's a tougher matchup, I feel like, for Maradon. Like, slightly unfavored? I, I would say it's 50-50. Okay. Um, I mean, like, I lost to uh, Ben Cryer uh, day one. And uh, he was playing a catcher's build, which can be tough. But, like you know, even if they are playing, like, the Catcher's Build or they have Cross Switchers, they can get the first two prize knockout, but it really is about who goes second, because, like, if they have to put the Luminium player or the Squawkabillion player, you know, I can get a turn one knockout with a Raikou and then a Hands for three later. Yeah. Right? So I'm not pressured to have to KO a 2 prize Pokemon immediately, whereas it's, like, even when they go second, it's more likely they can get a 2 prize KO, um, but they have to do it, right? So I think it's still, like, about a 50-50. Definitely not, like, a matchup we were... We were playing Maridon with the idea that the meta would be good for Maridon. Not a bunch of 50 50s. If we want to play a bunch of 50 50s, we would have just played Tina. So, with Moon being as popular as it well, was, it definitely wouldn't have been a situation where it's like, oh, it's just another 50 50 for Marino. We've been like, this is a reason to not play Maraidon, is we don't want to walk into another 50 We don't want to walk into a 50 50. We're looking for advantages if we're going to play the Peony Maraidon deck. So, it definitely, if we knew what the meta was going to look like going into the event, we wouldn't have played Maradon. I don't think. But we expected something a little bit different, me in particular.
0: Yeah, I feel like the big shock on here is definitely the Roaring Moon. At yeah, nearly ten percent, nine point six seven percent. It converted really well today too. We'll talk about yeah. that in just a moment. Um, and on top of that, yeah. well, I like uh, the th- question I would want to know is like, just like, why did it feels like it's almost out of nowhere that Roaring Moon uh, popped up and become so popular? What led to it? I mean, because I feel like in Portland, I think it was like not even in the top six. I can go double check.
1: Um. My guess would be there was some hype for Roar and Moon going into Portland, but maybe there wasn't enough time for enough people to adjust. Um, and I think the Ross build from Portland got a little bit of hype as well. Sure. For sure. So I think it's probably a combination of those two things. Like, it's one of those things where it's like...
0: In Portland, it was not in the top yeah. six day one, by the way. Going into Portland... Uh, day Lord two, Moon, it snuck into the day two meta share. Yeah. In Portland, it's 6.6%. Going into Portland, it was getting a little bit of hype before Portland. The hands
1: build specifically... Uh, but there wasn't enough time for enough people to adjust and then, like, realize its potential and think it be, be a deck they wanted to play. But, you know, people had enough time before Charlotte to actually make that realization that, hey, I actually really like this. deck. Like, I think it's good enough. Uh, and I think the Ross build also has a lot to do with that as well, which which kind of came up from Portland, the jellies and stuff like that. So people just had enough time to uh, adapt their build to the jelly build, uh, plus kind of feel confident in the deck as well. Um, I think we even saw, like, which I was actually surprised, but I think Jesse Parker played... Roaring Moon. I think JW's um, been
0: super hype on it, like yeah. as far as their group goes. Yeah. Mahone did not go with it. Mahone was on the Mew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw that.
1: <laughs> well,
0: yeah. I think he got top 32, right? Yeah, yeah. What? Like,
1: top 32. I mean, his whole get up at the event was just funny with the Raven's Chain and everything. I'll <laughs> follow
0: um,
1: But yeah, went with the Mew over the Roaring Moon. Um, so yeah, I think it was just like people... It, it was like, there was enough people to be comfortable with the deck. There was enough hype behind it for people that have tried it out for it to kind of hit its... Uh, I don't know, Crescendo, whatever you want to call it. But, and thankfully though, it definitely uh, had its, uh, its result carried, right? Ross got top eight, which like it would be, it kind of it feels bad for it to get here at 10% or like the highest place when it was top 64, right? Because we see that sometimes for a decade, like that's how Rapid Strike kind of felt the last couple of times. It's hitting its peak mm-hmm. and it's like zero top eights, zero top eights. And once again, zero top eights for Rapid Strike. And mm-hmm. Rapid Strike was pretty good with solid into this meta, I think, over all but I guess the Moon is what kind of stopped it here at this one specifically. Um, Try to put a little bit of a hindrance to it. But you still have the Lost Tina and the Charger at the top for it to deal with. So, um, so yeah, that's how Rapid Strike kind of felt. Like it, it was on the top six graphic over and over and over again. No top eight, no top eight, no top eight. Royal Moon gets its first time on the top eight or on the graphic top eight, right? Um, so that was cool to see.
0: Well, we can look now at day two. Uh because that's doesn't have the data up right now uh for the tournament so we can't see like what the conversion rate looked like we'll talk a little bit about pokestats here in in a little bit but we can look ourselves at the day two meta breakdown see that tina jumped up to 18 percent solid conversion rate tina does usually convert pretty well yeah into day two um and charizard did dip a little bit not too abnormal to see whatever the number one deck is dip down a little bit usually for a combination of reasons of You know, just a lot of people playing it, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, It being a little more countered because it is the most popular deck. Like I think part of it, part all of those things usually lead to whatever the top deck is coming down a little bit, and then Roaring Moon, pretty sizable increase, thirteen point six four percent, thirty out of the two hundred and twenty day two players. Yeah, and then I'll they see the Roaring Moon gets the big boost. There's a lot of good players
1: playing Roaring Moon. There was Roaring Moon as well, Um, and then Gardevoir Mew. Get up to the, about the 11%. Orion takes a fall, though, from the 12 to the 7. Um, so nothing too crazy, I guess, as far as the, the stats go. Yeah, nothing super surprising. Nothing super surprising,
0: I would say, except for the moon, maybe, would be the most surprising Yeah, that kind of a
1: conversion rate, I guess. I saw
0: a tweet that was really funny yesterday or today that someone was like, uh, like, what is going on with Roaring Moon? Like, how are you supposed to play this deck? If you look at the top 32 lists, they're all, like, 20 cards different from each other <laughs> yeah we've got the greninja builds we've got hands builds we've got you know the pokemon catchers town we've got great consistency town stores glaring Trace v i guess most of them have glaring miltres v now at this point but yeah
1: uh become a staple
0: yeah the the roaring moon it feels like there's just a bit it's of a question mark the on the lost box yeah, maybe. I
1: mean, just a ton of energy acceleration with the possibility... And a ton of, to... yeah, ton of draw power. Yeah, a ton of draw power, a ton of energy acceleration with the possibility to utilize different types of energy. Maybe it's time to put down the Lost Box pick up the Roaring Moon. <laughs> roaring Moon Kyogre?
0: Okay, okay, okay. Calm down, It's possible, there, though, right?
1: You deck out.
0: Yeah. Recycler. How are you putting switches? the energies on the Kyogre? Oh, my God. We have it. those in there most builds anyways. Yeah, but you're using them early game to do other things that... Also, you can maybe just put down Kyogre
1: ahead of time. It's you're kind of like a two prize deck. You bluff it's, the Kyogre, you know, bench Kyogre, attach energy. They're like, uh boss. Well, I mean, yeah, but you're like, you're probably okay with them getting a one prize knockout, right? Yeah, it's sure, like sure. You win sure. anyways on the next turn. Hey, just a thought. If we have the water energy in there already. Add a recycler. We're cooking.
0: Hey, try it out. Let's take a look at the results overall from Charlotte. Looking at the top eight decks. Of course, we already talked about it a little bit. It was. Vinicius Fernandez, Vinny Fernandez, aka, is he still war expert on uh, Twitch? I have no clue. I think he might be Vinicius Fernandez on Twitch now. That was his OG Twitch name, I know. Um, but yeah, Vinny, great player, online tournament grinder, and he gets the big win, largest regionals ever, 10K for first with the good old Lost Tina. And pretty good, solid looking list, right?
1: Yeah, I guess like the big things to point out um, is on the Gears. Over the Ionos. No Manaphy. Um, and then I call it the Alberto Conti switch count, which is just the four switch mm-hmm. cards. I feel like Alberto's the one to have initially popularized that. Um, but those are like the big things that stand out to me. What are your switches? Do you play the manaphy? Yeah and then also has the Avery in here. Um even though it does have the Poke years, has the Avery in here as well. Um we usually oh I feel like I mean, I feel like that is what uh Bradner was running as well, was the two Poke year and the Avery. I was saying I feel like it's usually like one Poke Year plus Avery or um, but I could be incorrect on that. And then Bradner also did make a yeah. top eight as well. So he'd...
0: Bradner in should... the top eight. And then Russell Montiero also Green in top eight with the Tina. This... Yep. So Bradner eight. will pull up his list here. He did have the If Manif- He had the Spiritomb as well. So was teched a little more for Mew than uh, with the Avery, which is more of a tech for Gardevoir usually. Now Avery can yeah. be good against like stuff like Avery, honestly, is pretty decent against Mew at times. Um, yeah,
1: if you can like, you know, Killer bench and then KO a Genesect or, me, or KO a Mew with Star mm-hmm. Requiem. That like takes three Pokemon off their board. And Bradner had the um,
0: three-switch, two switch cards. Yeah, three switch, two switch card.
1: Also, I guess Vinny did play the three water, so playing more heavily into the
0: yeah. uh the Greninja attack, the Moonlight Shrukin. Which funny enough, in top four, when he was against uh when he was against Gustavo, he could have destroyed Gustavo with a Greninja, because Gustavo just his hand didn't play out for him to be able yeah. to go get Manaphy. It was just kind of one of those, like, not putting Manaphy down, holding my breath. And Vinny prized two out of his three water. <laughs> and there were his top two prizes as well, so he just, like, didn't enjoy the entire there. game. It was ridiculous. Yeah.
1: Uh, so, yeah, I mean, like, not too much different, right, between this list and the... Has the more tech, the more techs, I feel like. Manaphy plus the Spiritomb,
0: whereas in Vinny's list we saw... Either of those, we saw, like, the fourth path and stuff like that. And then Russell's list here did have the Drapion as opposed to Spiritomb, so still tech for Mew. I do feel like uh, a version like this, like, just pretty much... I don't know, Drapion is interesting in Tina because you only play Path. Yeah. And Mew also plays Path, right? So it's pretty difficult to use the Tina, the Drapion, I feel like, unless you're, like, doing it very aggressively. Yeah,
1: I mean, maybe they're you could utilize it like turn one for two prize cards. Yeah. It feels a little bit weird to be that aggressive though. okay, hey, when a two prize Pokemon, Mews usually not too concerned if you do that. But then they can, I only do like one really. Unless early. it's like
0: fusion Mew, right?
1: Because it's good to it's better against fusion Mew. I feel like for yeah. sure. Well, I mean, but the thing is though, they if they know your answer is the Drapion, then they can just like time their paths accordingly. And they know you can't bump it and use Drapion. So then it becomes, I mean, you could Mirage Gate to it still, I guess. Sure. But like that's, it's a pretty big well, commitment, pretty, especially if they're judging you and Iona and you and stuff. It's gonna be pretty. It's gonna be pretty hard to pull off. Um, so the Drapion's interesting. Also, you don't get kind of the dual value that Spiritomb gives you. Spiritomb's not only good against like Charizard, actually, if you have the bench space, um, but it's also good against control, right? Like you already have a good control matchup. Is definitely favorable without Spiritomb, but hey, can make it harder for them. Um, I guess I don't know how much the Rotom actually gets used in that matchup because of Paths, but you sometimes want to save your Paths for the. Uh, for the their stadiums. Do you want to get rid of their Sinnoh so you can use Jet and all that stuff like yeah. that? So that's
0: really I feel like what Path is more useful for. Um
1: So I feel it, like Richard's gotta be helpful against control at the very least in that matchup.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean we did see Vinny play Cal on stream in round thirteen and game one was honestly kind of close and Cal had a decent shot to win. Cal maybe got a little bit unlucky with just like the sequence of cards, how Vinny drew his switch carts like oh. around the Misfortune sisters at the end of the game, but that's you know, that's part of it. It happens, right? Um, but, and then, um, and that was without the spirit tomb. But yeah, all three of these lists, pretty similar. I think one of the other big standouts is that Vinny did play the four path to peak. Both Isaiah and Russell played just three. And I think if I was to play Tina, I would definitely lean into the four path to peak. I feel like. Yeah,
1: I like four path. Just, uh, being able to spin, like, I feel like when you play three, you need to be like more timely with them to make sure you don't waste them so you need to have like those bigger turns with them
0: and if you have four um, you can be more aggressive and force yeah. your opponent to have answers earlier yeah because like sometimes
1: you are in situations early where it's like ooh, i kind of want to throw this path out there but if they do have an answer it feels like a waste of a path and i should have saved it to combo with roxanne uh, but when you have four you're just like another one
0: <laughs> like, right right uh
1: and it feels the same way and it like, even feels the same with arky it feels like the same with path in general to me. Like, even with arky even with DTE Mew with the three and four paths. Yeah. I miss that fourth path sometimes when I played it with three paths. I'm like, bro, if I, I just want to be able to chuck these things out there aggressively. But you can't do it as aggressively if you if you have three. And then if you prize one, if you play three, or if you lost one, one is Tina. The other variants to be added into how much path you'll actually have access to is the loss zoning between Colbert and Confi. Um So I, it's probably a little bit meta dependent too. It's like how, much, how popular is Charizard and Guardian, mm-hmm. right? And that may dictate how many paths you want to actually run, but...
0: And then if we look at the rest of the top eight, so we had three Giratina and then five other unique decks, which is always cool to see. Like I like to see some variety, it feels like a lot of people like to see variety, right? And I I appreciate it as someone like you know, when we're choosing matches on stream, right? It's like we don't really love putting like the same matchup twice in a row on stream yeah. because it just feels like more of the same a lot of the time we want to provide variety. So it is nice whenever we have that in our top eight. And uh Caleb Rogerson. Local player from North Carolina, representing for Charlotte Regionals, did get the second place finish with the Charizard and Azul. I feel like this list uh, <laughs> looks pretty similar, uh, looks pretty familiar to you, doesn't it? It's- yeah, so this is actually the
1: list that uh, I posted on my YouTube channel like two days before the event, uh, and Caleb said that he, you know, just took it from there and like played the exact same, the exact sixty.
0: Yeah, that I think Caleb I mean. even tweeted that he played the same artwork that you had in your list. Like, yeah. yeah, down <laughs> yeah. to the t, the same sixty. Yep, exact same
1: sixty. Uh, yeah, Charizard's still pretty good. Wasn't as hostile for Charizard to be honest as I thought it would be. Not just based on Caleb's result, but playing in the tournament myself, it just didn't seem as hostile to our Charizard as I thought it would be. Um, and uh, and yeah, yeah, Caleb just took that list, and I thought like the changes that were made to the list um, that I had made the radiant Charizard, the choice belt. Um, no I think they ended up being pretty good. Um, I think just kind of randomly, the Radiant Charizard was that much better because of how popular Roaring Moon was. Because Radiant Charizard was really, really powerful in that matchup. In yeah. and the, and the Maridon matchup, to be honest, it kind of locks those matchups up. So they go from favorables to being like, how do you ever lose these matchups, right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was just kind of cool to see. Not to take anything away from Caleb's run at all or anything like that, for sure. It's always it's way always more so the pilot than the, the, the actual list. list. You can go copy a 60 that just won a tournament. Or like Caleb did here, taking the list that I posted on YouTube. But you know, if Caleb doesn't play well, nothing else really matters, um, for sure. But yeah, it was it was definitely cool to see in the
0: uh, in the end, Charizard getting getting close. It was very, and the finals was pretty close as well. Hey, not only did it get second place in Masters, but I heard it got first place in Seniors, right? <laughs> yeah, first place in Seniors. Uh, Justin took the list as well and uh,
1: took it all down with the uh, with the same sixty as well. So it almost took down. Uh, masters and seniors um yeah justin was able to get them seniors
0: what happened in almost. juniors this weekend i have no clue Jose i didn't Cruz. even know the were here to see with urshifu yeah this urshifu. is how i always check the the seniors list you can also find them on arcanine it's a little more difficult to do i did see this that cloth got second place in juniors which honestly you just love to see, you know. I think there was
1: like a couple of cloth. In, I think there was three cloth in top eight. Is yeah, that was someone told me.
0: I'll, I don't like to use this list that uh, this website that often because it doesn't show you all the Pokemon half the time. Like you can see, uh, there's no Bibarel pictured right here. But this... are, you sure, are you sure there's Bibarel? Oh, almost certainly. There's no Electrode either. I'll, I'll yeah yeah yeah. So that's, <laughs> that's that's the bigger missing piece. I'll show you how. Hey, to... When
1: I tested cloth initially, I only I played it without Electro. I had just yeah. Cloffin. So it was, felt pretty good. It felt pretty good. I'll pull it up on Arcanine Labs. I'll show you how to do it in a second. Okay. But yeah. Um, But yeah, Charizard... I mean, Charizard's still doing pretty well overall. Um, Not as much hate towards it. I think moving forward, we're not going to see that much hate towards Charizard either. I think maybe it's kind of gone through that phase, Um, and it is the most popular deck, but it feels like people are comfortable in their matchups, or are just like understandably taking a bad or unfavorable matchup to Charizard. So,
0: I'll show you this, but I'll show it to anyone else watching at home as well. So, if you go to Arcanine Labs and you go to the tournament page for the event that you want to see the results for, for the younger divisions, you just go up to the URL. It's, by the way, super jank that this is the way you have to do it. But you, all the d- information is on the website. They just don't have it, like, super easily accessible. So you just go up here and you type in roster. You replace the word tournament with the word roster in the URL. It'll take a minute to load. And then it'll present to you the roster with the final standings. Yeah, and this is fine. See... I assume
1: if they didn't want anyone to be able to get here, they would lock the page. But Right. Yeah, don't worry. You can go here. It'll be fine. I Maybe this leads to them locking the page. Who knows? Oh, should I not show this? Hacker Man chip out here <laughs> I mean, com- exposing the the leaks. I mean, I've never seen or done this before, but that's pretty cool that this is a bit They didn't cool. play Beaverill, I mean, by the is, way. This is how like Robin on Limitless and Wilson uh, for PDCG Legends gets all the deck lists, I assume
0: Somewhere um, along the way. I mean, it well, is, I think, no uh, Arcanine Labs is open source. Like,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm saying like limit I'm sure I'm pretty sure Robin auto populates the decks onto Limitless like like day two like i'm sure yeah i don't know i don't think robin is manually inputting 200
0: for
1: charlotte so he auto-populates it from rk 9 for sure yeah um yeah i wish that was more but like that's one of those things where i wish things were more easily accessible this kind of information not being super easily accessible um is annoying but like once people figure out about the right sites it seems fine um and if you're in the know you know I'm actually going to give myself a shout out here. In my personal Discord that I use for my content and stuff, I actually created a resources channel where I've started to compile literally all of the resources you'll probably ever want to know as like a competitive Pokemon TCG player. I still have to like fill it out and clean it up a little bit, and there's still more stuff to add, but I started to put it together because there isn't, I realized there's not like a hub for this kind of sites. So I created it in my Discord channel. So join my Discord, uh, the sewers. Um, you can maybe search it up on the search function on Discord, or you can get the link on any of my like yeah. YouTube channel or Twitch or anything like that. Or his Twitter. Yeah. So go there. All the resources are in the resources channel in my in my Discord, where you can find literally
0: everything. Well, Let's get back to Charlotte here and talk about the rest of the decks in Top 8. Vinicius Fernandez was not the only Brazilian in Top 8. We did have Gustavo Wada playing in Cut as well. By the way, uh, this Top 8 was just like crazy stacked, right? Like, you know, we've got I feel like people say that all the time. I don't know, man. There's a lot of really good players in this top eight. Yeah, but haven't we... But, like, what is the...
1: I mean, I guess maybe... We we definitely
0: have top eights where it's, like, five, six people that, like, you've not really heard their names before. Like, that happens. Of course. Of course. And, I mean, I'm not going to make the argument that those
1: are less stacked because they are less stacked. You haven't heard the names before. Like, you have to prove yourself to be a a great player. You could be as good as Gustavo, but until you prove it, nobody really cares. I don't care.
0: I don't think anyone yeah. should care until you prove it. Um, but you've got like, really you got like Ross Cawthon, who's like, of the, course, could yeah, be yeah. an all time great. Alex Shemansky and Isaiah Bradner, you know, two of the you know top, 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 top right. I agree. North I agree. American players. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> buddy. Mean, yeah. Gustavo Wada is a world champion, and he decided to play Gardevoir. Yeah, I think this top
1: eight's really cool because we've got the Brazilians in there and then the Canadians are just outside of top cut. We've been holding them at bay consistently. Good job, America. Oh, Shout out to Brazil for coming through as well. Yes. We've been holding the Canadians back pretty consistently these last couple events. I haven't heard them saying anything on Twitter since they stopped winning. So we've been holding them back. Congrat- good job, everyone who's not Canadian.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. Holy cow. All um, in good fun, by the all way. All in good fun. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. I think, yeah, sure. Really stacked. It was really cool to see Ross get there with. With not a Ross, no one would look at Roaring Moon and call it a Ross type deck. But Ross just likes doing different, doing different stuff, man.
0: It's not, it's not something that's popular. Yeah. That's like what Ross is known for is playing things that are not the norm and not the normal way to play the Roaring Moon as well. Um, it's cool. It's cool to see Ross can still do it. Right, shows up biggest
1: regional of all time, kill Orlando or Indiana, I'm sure, um, or NAIC, <laughs> um, and but yeah, so, Ross showing up and doing it again. Gives me hope for the future for myself to be honest. At some point I feel like I mean, You're Ross gonna be you're gonna be a Ross someday. I mean, yeah, I mean I've 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 been playing as long I have not been playing as long as Ross has, but I'm I'm getting up there now. During the years played years grinding the game consistently.
0: Well let's I'm let's gonna... look at Gustavo's let's go in order here. Let's look at go Gustavo's ahead, ahead. Gardevoir list. Is there anything crazy? He's got the Toro in here. He's got Four Path Bumps, the wor- One Worker, Lost Vacuum. Yep, Four Bumps. Artisan plus Collapse. Double Research.
1: Pretty heavy on the consistency, then, overall.
0: Yeah, overall pretty heavy. Only two Candy, um, three Level Ball. No actually. I didn't even see that. Yeah, no Cresselia. Just the scream tail, the little Munchkin. The Zacian as well, no Luxurious Cape or anything like that. Nothing, like, super crazy. I don't think there's anything the... very surprising in this list. Well, the lack
1: of Cresselia is interesting to me because I feel like that hurts the Tina matchup a decent amount. I feel like Cresselia is really good against Tina. Sure. Because um, they can do, like, the, the, the things that you're, like, most scared of is them just being, like, Greninja, both your shiny Arcanas. And you're just like, hmm. All right, I'll Cresselia. I'll start to move the damage off of Cresselia. But you don't even have that option here from Gustavo. So Gustavo definitely has to take a more aggressive approach. Um, and even then, the Scream Tail is potentially limited from, like, poke damage on early Tina's early. Because if you're up against someone like Bradner with a Manaphy, that's what I want to go with that. But, um, uh, but, yeah, nothing too crazy. I guess, like, leaning... But I guess like, the, the interesting thing is the double research is, like, the most interesting Just, like, leaning more a little bit heavily into consistency. Um, overall, so it only has two candy. Uh, but when you're seeing that many more cards, that could be the difference maker of getting that candy guard off. But I feel like still, most games you should probably do them when you step even though you got the candies in there, yeah. or even then, though you have the researches in there, you know, you can see more cards.
0: And then we had in top four Ryan Miller with his on deck, his Iron Hands deck. Um, Iron Hands deck. Yep. and this was a pretty interesting one as well three peony, three research, right? Usually, mm-hmm. we see peony and yeah. then like. You know, the Peony build will play one Ryan or one Arvin, yeah. right? And then a few boss. Or you'll see the Research build, which will have Researches and then Judge Path or just a bunch of Iono. Uh, and then, you know, the bosses. But Ryan's list here is really just focusing on the aggressive part of the supporters from the two lists, right?
1: Yeah. And then has, like, the... So it has, like, the... When everything's going together, I got it all going. Let's just research. Let's draw some cards. Or, like, oh, I just need some generators here. We've got the Peony. So you have, like, both... The best of both worlds. Um, you're not including the Iono part. So yeah, just the aggressive side of everything. Heavy on the EXP share, which I think has kind of been discovered uh, as like the, the decks, what the deck was missing. Um, I think me and my group uh, had the same thoughts with that as well. I mean, saw Nick Moffat had the EXP shares in like the path build at Portland. Um, and yeah, the EXP shares, I've been a big fan of them in Rhino for a while now. And yeah, I think they are the missing piece. And we see uh, Ryan here. Uh, going the extra mile, three EXP shares, and two town stores. Yeah, really wants to get those in play. And it really is the big difference maker. Like, when we were testing the Tina match, it was like, oh, if you get the EXP shares down, you just beat Tina. If you don't, it's close. It's kind of sketchy. If you don't, like, run over them early. If they stabilize, and you don't have EXP shares set up, it gets kind of sketchy. If you get the EXP shares uh, in play, you just kind of win. That's, like, a big one for those. And also, it, like, gives you such a stronger route against Charizard as well. Being able Mm -hmm. to retain a couple energy makes a huge difference going into the late game. Um, for sure. So I really like this list. I really like the list you have the, you know, because sometimes you do just want to see cards and you don't really care about finding your generators just quite yet or anything like that. And also the Pokemon catchers. Like you mentioned that, that was the deciding factor in the... Yeah, top four, top, or top eight game. In the top eight match, to get to the top four. Uh, and the Pokemon catchers are sick. Um, me and my group actually ended up running one Pokemon catcher ourselves. <laughs> um, because when we are coming down to it, it was just like, um... I guess the biggest thing that drove that behind it is like I had tested Pokemon Catcher in like an energy sticker build of Maraidon on, like just flips. Yeah, like a side deck, uh, And I was like, the catcher is just insanely good in here. I was like, this is just good. Being able to go peony for a catcher and possibly win the game on a flip is just insane. Yeah. Um so when we were trying to like fill out the last couple slots on our list, someone brought up the boys' list and was like, let's play four catcher. And like, no, none of us were like, yeah, let's do that. We we're all like, no, but what about one catcher? <laughs> and then we end up with the one catcher. Um, and yeah, it was, it was really, really good. And yeah, Ryan, you know, going all the way top four with some catchers, um, kind of probably proving it for sure that, yeah, the a couple catchers, we can just peony for a catcher. It's just like, it's pretty sick, to be honest. Yeah, pretty so cool. I really, list. I really yep. like this, but I think it's a really, really. Uh, it just seems like a really, really refined build, and all the for all the things that like Murata felt like it was missing or needed to emphasize a little bit more. Heavy exp shares, catchers, peonies, but also some researches. Yeah, it's a really sick list. for So sure. as someone who
0: played Murata into this tournament, like you think if you knew about this build, you would have played something more similar to this with this this similar supporter count. I would have to have tested it. I don't like the two boss. Yeah, sure. But
1: compared to like the list that. Um, me and my group ran. We didn't play the Luminian, and I honestly did not miss. I would have never. You used didn't a, play the
0: Luminian. I no. thought. You, oh, that was. We cut okay, the okay. Luminian.
1: That was our catcher slot. Um, I really liked the three raw boss. Um, but I could see like yeah, Luminian. I never missed the entire tournament. I could see still like potentially it being better than I gave it credit for. Um, I personally didn't miss it the entire tournament. I don't know how the rest of the guys felt after the end of the tournament, but I definitely would have really once I, just looking at this. I really like it. And I definitely would have given it a shot for sure. I would like to have uh, you know ran some games with it and see if I think this is better than what we ended up playing. Um like I said I like all the ideas in this build for sure. Three HP share. Double catcher, sure, like twos maybe I wouldn't go like up to four like Lee Boy did in Portland, but like two one to two, I can definitely love that. Uh, the only thing I would definitely change is I'd definitely cut the Raichu for a super Rod I think Super Rod is definitely better than the second Raichu, but um everything else I love and I would say if anyone's looking to pick up Maridon again or knows wants to know where to go next with it, pick up this build, put the Raichu for a super Rod is the only thing I would personally recommend. But yeah, that all the, the the ideas I think are all really sick.
0: And then I think I don't know, is is this the most unique deck in top eight? I'm not sure. There's it's really hard to identify what the most unique deck in top eight, oh, we've I guess, seen this would be. Before. We have seen it before, but we've seen kind of everything before at this point. And I, I feel guess like I would give it to the right on over this. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. Well, we did have Alex Shamansky. I don't know, Radiant Charizard, it's interesting, right? Because not won the regionals with it. Yep. Right. A lot a little bit of hype behind it, the double devolution, very solid into a Charizard heavy meta, right? Mm-hmm. Um but it's like it did. You know, he won that regionals with it. A couple people played it at the next one. Didn't do super well. It's falling off the map. Even Christian, I feel like I'm gonna say struggle. I don't know if he like played poorly, but he didn't have like a great follow
1: up finish as well. So, you know, he got like top sixty
0: four like... or like seventieth or something. Yeah, because like I feel
1: yeah. like some people like get a top eight with like a weird list, and then they come back and like top eight again with mm-hmm. it, and then they can like prove the
0: point, right? But regardless, um... Alex Shemansky here, top eight with the radzard and he was yeah, the first seed going into cut he had like 37 match points going into round 15 or whatever was debating conceding to bradner as opposed to just taking the id did take the id uh and then maybe got a little unlucky that it was maridon in the eighth seed um i don't know if that's necessarily it probably is slightly favored for maridon right especially like double iron hands i feel like if ryan miller had the there was a situation in the second game, Ryan Miller lost game two. Um, but he had to discard his second iron hands, and if he had just had access to making two iron hands. Super odd. Super odd, exactly. <laughs> he probably would have won that game, right? Uh but yeah, regardless, Alex Schemansky, top eight with the Radzard. Singlezard. Yeah. A tweet from Alex after the event was unbelievable that I choked this event. It
1: should have been the freest run of all time. I made some bad plays and got punished. Is what it is. Longer tweet after I make it to my flight. So, definitely feels, he feels like he could have gone further. And poor play was the thing that led to his downfalls, what he feels like in the end, uh, to stop the run. So, who knows where the potential with the Radzard was. We could have seen another Radzard dub. Definitely has a good Tina matchup. I'll say that. I think it has a pretty good Tina matchup for sure. Um, the, Sar- the Charizard matchup is sketched. The Morana matchup, I think, is definitely tough as well. Uh, but it really just comes down to, like, drawing the Raihan to, like, get the response KO on the hands or something like that. Um, yeah. So, I would say, um, yeah, I mean, I think Ratsard's like, fine. I, I would want to, like, play with some of its matchups more. Um, it definitely has some tough matchups. And, uh, yeah, it's, like, not, like, a, a deck. It's not like a, it's not a Tina or a Charizard or a Gardevoir where I feel like they can power they, their way through anything. I don't think Sablesard can quite do that, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean it's a bad deck. You right? Know? Um, or even like a on. I feel like a Maraidon can power its way through. It's like, oh, this kind of looks sketchy. Oh, they got Turn One Iron Hands, and I can't respond to it. Well, I guess they just win, right? Yeah. Um, Radiant Charizard really doesn't have that as a as an out, like some of the other more powerful decks do. But it's good. It's solid. Um, there's a lot of like, there's a big steep le- learning curve to it, though. I think in its matchups, um, for sure. So it is like a tougher deck to play. But I mean, it's a solid deck for sure. I don't think anyone would. Do it. maybe, maybe it's the best way to play Law besides Tino.
0: Then we've got Ross's Roaring Moon here. We talked about this a little bit. um, Yeah, it looks just like a solid, straightforward, consistent list, right? Trekking Shoes, four energy switch. No water energy or anything like that, just really focused on attacking with the Roaring Moon, the Moltres, the Morpeko, sometimes the Mew, right? Um, I think
1: that makes sense when you have only two vessels in the deck. I think probably sticking to just dark energy makes a little bit more sense. When you don't have as much access to the different energy types by playing like a four-vessel build.
0: I think he did change something from Portland. I think he played four Pokestop in Portland and has the three-stop one-town town store. store yeah. I mean, You
1: can't just mill that jelly. you got to find that thing. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. The jelly apparently is the key to the Tina matchup I learned. Okay.
1: Like being able to prevent the table-eye and the cram response to sure. your frenzied gouging apparently sure. is the key to that matchup is what I was told, which makes sense. Um, it actually makes, uh, makes sense there for sure. Um, also, I mean, that's kind of cute. I don't think this really matters too much, but if you jelly your moon... And frenzy gouging and they don't ko it. You can then attach the ancient booster energy capsule and frenzy gouging again and not knock yourself out. I wonder if does Ross... that does that math check out? I don't know, run it for me again. I think yeah, it checks out. You live with <laughs> yeah, 10 it's HP.
0: Too... okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. With 10 HP. Wow, well,
1: I don't know if that matters at all, but I was like, oh, that's kind of like I did the math. Uh, I was just like thinking, about I promise you,
0: jelly. Ross has done that math. I promise you, Ross knows. That I wonder that. if Ross yeah. did
1: that in tournament. Ross, uh, if you're knows? out there, I would love to know. <laughs> have you done the jelly into ancient booster castle double frenzied? Insane, Moon play? Play, <laughs> insane. This play will beat all of your two prize matchups. Oh, we got to come up with a better clickbait than that, buddy. Whatever. Dominate Charizard with this jelly yes. booster cat with this jelly play. Uh, d-
0: d- dominate Charizard with this applesauce packet. <laughs> Charizard hates applesauce. <laughs> it does look like one of those things of applesauce. That's what I'm it. saying, yeah, bro. The emergency jelly. And um, then, uh, yeah, that's all the top eight. We did have Makani Tran bubbling out with the Arceus. I think Cal was also at 36 minutes. Or was it just Makani? I think maybe it was just I, I Makani. I don't think Cal.
1: I'm sure Cal was I'll not check, on the bubble. Check right I I'll check right here. I think it was just one bubble out with oh, Asmokani. Maybe Cal was up there as well, though. I'm checking right now. But yeah, running it back with the, the control, Cal was. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know if Cal changed the card, to be honest.
0: I'm not, oh, four Temple of Sinnoh. Never mind. A couple of tar- He did have the four Temple of Sinnoh. So yeah. Cut the, what is it, League? League Pokemon League HQ. Yeah, cut the H-
1: HQs. Four Temple of Sinnoh. Trying of to give him
0: himself the best chance in the Tina matchup. Yeah, shut down those jets. Trap
1: something in the active. Um... Nothing big deal in that matchup. The matchup's tough. Which, honestly, up it, the edge.
0: well, what happened in, in his... Edge. I can't actually remember if this is exactly how it went down in Vinny's matchup, but it was like, if Temple can stay in play long enough, they're eventually going to have, like, Jets without paths in their hand. And you Sydney them. And then
1: you can Sydney them. Yeah. Oh, also, yeah, had the double Sydney as well. I wonder if that... Is that a new inclusion? I, I can't remember. Inclusion. The Sydneys are also pretty good against Mew as well, because, like, sometimes they don't want to put an energy in play quite yet and catch them with the Sydneys. Catch him with the Giacomo, uh, stuff like that.
0: And then, yeah, um, Makani on the Arceus deck. Did have a 3-3 he Has he been playing 3-3 Bieber? That's I thick, right? I think that's new. I think
1: that's new. Also, I just want to check this real fast, because this is like the one thing I uh, I brought up about Makani's list when I played it. Or when I saw it and played it. Oh, when I played it, too. How are you going to play an Arceus deck with three path, Makani, at Portland? I was like, what is this? After I saw that. But the four
0: path is <laughs> He took in. notes. He took
1: notes. I was like, bro, three path in an Arceus deck? I just like, it feels so bad to only have three paths. But fourth path. Making its way. Makani making the correct change. Three-two-beeb, I like that as well. Like, you want to set up that two-two-beeb. Yeah. Um, it feels kind of similar to like... I feel like as well,
0: the last couple of tournaments, I guess before this consistently, when I would walk by Ooh, the back Makani's well. games, mm-hmm. there would be, like, no Beaverill in play. <laughs> like, when it was 2-2-B. Yeah. You just don't find them quickly enough, and it's like, you can find a spell for Arceus, right? Yeah, uh, Or, in, like, for your Zacian to get your energy in play, whatever it is, right? But, yeah. now, 3-3-Bib, <laughs> we're setting the boy up. They're setting up, hopefully, multiple. We're hoping for 2-2 two,
1: two in play. Also, V-Guard's in there for the... So, prospecting the Tina a little bit more with the v guards. No v guards were in the Portland list. Also, Mawile's in here for the cheese against Guardi, uh, against Charizard. It is a possibility as well. Although, mm-hmm. let's go against Charizard, I feel like, post-Portland. Um, Portland, um, after uh, I got top eight with the Switch. Um, I feel like a lot of people yeah. were, were playing some form of Switch in their Charizards, as you should. Um, moving forward though I don't know there's no oh another thing I could mention about
0: did you see Joe Turrentine's list yeah with one of every single energy yeah. type
1: <laughs> it's funny for sure yeah it's a good meme it's a good, it's good meme I feel like a, is, was there room for a radiant Pokemon here radiant Charizard played more fires Play radiant Charizard was there space it's not there? a good meme though alright my bad but would we have made top 8 Joe if you had the radiant Charizard if you're listening to this would you, if you would the radiant Charizard have made the difference I, mean, I know you got a lot of path in there but like can I bump it He's got um, double
0: lost vacuum in his list, too.
1: Actually, could you look up Ryan didn't play the Tapu Coco, right? Actually, that's something we didn't point out. Um, oh, no, he did not. Yep. Yeah, which I think is correct. We didn't, me yeah. and my group didn't play Tapu Coco. We're like, I'd assume most did not. Yeah, like, I, you know, I, I got top eight in Portland with the Switch. Been preaching about the Switch. Most people seem to have picked up on the Switch, or more so picked up on the Coco.
0: Only one person in day two played the Tapu Coco EX. Who was it? Was it Moffat still with the Coco? No, more than that. Sorry. Oh, Four people sense. in day two Four played people. it. Okay, Moffat well. did have it. Which yeah.
1: makes sense because I think Moffat was still playing the Path Judge build. Which if you're going to play that build, playing the Coco makes more sense. Because um, you can go Ion over Judge plus Path. Paralyze them. They can't use Quick Search to find the, the out against the Charizard matchup. And the Coco can be good in other matchups as well. Coco's actually not bad
0: against Tina as well. Shoutouts to Solomon Surge with the Thunderous tech. Thunderous. Two lightning energy for what, 140? 140, yeah. It's a lot of damage one for two prizer? energy for a KO one What Are we KOing anything?
1: Uh, whatever you want, buddy. That's not how that works. Huh?
0: Yeah. Pompey.
1: I mean, I guess it's like maybe better than using Raikou on the first turn of the Raikou geek. I guess like, honestly, against Charizard. You go up there and get that first prize card with the oh, one prize. Oh, it KOs
0: Pidgeot, bro. Oh. It does. It KOs Pidgeot. So does Raikou. This is one prize. Yeah, they have Countercatcher. True. I don't
1: know. <laughs> I don't hate it, though. I don't... I don't... You, could, you could go... I guess you are living in one project, but they have counter. they're just not countercatch. It all they, comes
0: back to they have countercatcher.
1: I mean they just do. <laughs> so yeah. I've seen it. <laughs> I if, if people start running the one instead of the two though, then it like has more validity for
0: sure. Uh one other thing I did want to mention about this top, you know, 32-ish, a lot less mu than what we saw in Portland, right? Just three mu. In the top 32.
1: We had more text for Mew though, I feel like overall. Yeah, I
0: think that's gotta be the main reason. I had the tomb. Xander Perobro with the 9-0 start. Gotta call him out. Gotta call him out. Sorry, buddy. Yeah, that one is tough. Yeah, Xander sure. was Xander lost some of his Mew
1: knowledge, gave it all the way to all of his students in those group class. Mew, you gotta keep some, Xander. You can't have too many group classes and you get burnt out on Where talking did he about Mew. Finish. And then you forget how to play the deck.
0: Oh, um, buddy. Oh no. Oh, oh, that's tough. Not that's I to a... call
1: him out further, but I wonder if that's the biggest nine-o drop off.
0: Ew, he started bro. off one and four.
1: I remember that.
0: Ten oh. and five.
1: Yeah, I know that's a. I know that was a rough hit for him because I know he's been looking for that top eight, that's that next tough. top eight. Yeah, uh, and I, I know it'll come around to him for sure. Um.
0: That is a yeah. It is tough. Nino into. Is there anything else here in the top thirty-two you want to call out? Not too much Charizard. There was a few more down at the bottom of this top thirty-two. Uh, we did okay. Hey. One more thing to call out. We got Jarek Gamilla with the Gold Dingo.
1: And speaking of top 32, top 32 we could bring up, uh, I guess, our predictions. Because you... that was one of our predictions. Highest place in Gold Go, Azul. Top 32, chip top eight.
0: What? The next cool, but it's not that good. Oh, she was so close. She was so how, how was Jarek up there towards the top tables? He lost in like round 14, I think. But yeah, he was up there during the, during the day and day two. Yeah, yeah. And then oh. ID'd in the last round, I think, to guarantee top 32. He and Aiden Kus ID'd instead of playing it out to try to get top 16. What? I don't know about that. But yeah, the Golden Go. Um, nothing super crazy in this list. I don't feel like uh, being aggressive with the option of the canceling clone Greninja, cross yeah. switchers. It's all kind of stuff we've seen, right?
1: Yeah, no melodic. Which, but I think pretty much everyone's off the Melodic, from what I can tell. No Avery,
0: which is something you were talking about liking in this deck a little bit.
1: Yeah, but, but they have the, there's a Canceling Clone in there. It kind of has the same ideas. Like, you play sure. the Avery because they have to bench the Manaphy. So, even if they don't discard the Manaphy, it makes their bench weird. Canceling Clone just immediately bring up the Manaphy and then, you know, get the KO around it. So Why are, why
0: are we playing the continuous coin toss gimmick There's one that has Call for Family.
1: Uh, Team Devo against And I think Able it has Zard. one less retreat as Team well. Team Devo against Art and... Mm-hmm. What's the other one? There's one more Tina. If they have the TMD, but that's like the only reason. Sure. Uh, again, against Tina, I don't think they have time to do that though. Where and a lot of them don't even play the TMD. Also, but against Sablesard, they definitely have the time. And you, honestly, you just lose to Sablesard anyways.
0: You know what the real you know, reason you might should be? Probably be
1: calling for family. Do you actually have a reason?
0: Yes. It's because this is the one that had the this full art. The only full art one is the one that has continuous coin coin toss. Was Jarek? Did Jarek? I think Blame. that Jarek was playing the 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 full art gimmick. I'm um,
1: trying to call for the fame, but we're trying to get the squad out there. <laughs> yeah, I was running. Uh, I I had been testing out with the call for. family playing the call for family one feels way better. Um, because I've been testing out with the call for family one. BMT's call for family. It only gets one squad, but that's one more squad than zero more squad. So I don't know. The, the math adds up.
0: <laughs> one more squad than zero more squad. That's good.
1: The math adds up. I All guess one right. thing I'll shout out, Daniel, with the Entei, Iron Valiant. We haven't seen it pop up in a while. I don't think this changes my opinion of Iron, Iron Valiant. I actually just think the deck is bad. But I think it's cool to see it still, you know, pop up once again, get into the top 16. Um, the deck's cool and the deck's fun, but... Um, Feeling cool frisky to see and fun, baby. It's just cool to see it, like, you know, still be there, I guess. I guess that's how I'd put it. Like, those decks kind of reoccurring. Um, and especially, like, you know, going back to the Warren Moon. Warren Moon kind of getting its first... First breakthrough performance, I guess. One in top eight. There was two more in top sixteen, stuff like that. So um, it's just cool to see, even the golden Ghosts, You know, iffy. I think as far as like uh, a deck goes in the meta, but like still seeing it. You know, in the top thirty-two from Jerick and stuff like that. It's just like sick to see a bunch of these um, more off-meta decks
0: continuously breakthrough. Let's finish our recap of our predictions. Uh, we predicted what we thought the most popular deck in day one would be. You said Giratina. It's not even close. I held true with the Charizard, and indeed it was the most popular deck. We already talked about that. And then over, under, one repeat top eighter. I need to look at it again. Uh, Azul said under. Cause I plan on being the only one. That didn't happen. But yeah. I think it's zero, right? No. Did Bradner make top eight this season? No, he got ninth. Ooh. Ninth, Shemansky. Ooh, does Shemansky got a top eight Zero. Season? I don't think so. Yeah, I think this is a fresh top eight this year. Oh, man. All fresh faces. Yeah. We've got a, several. I mean, uh, Rogerson and Wada both have top 16s. Go. But, yeah.
1: I need these people to, like, pre-clutch up for me, bro. What the heck? What the heck? Why couldn't we have gotten a top eight here, squad? What's going on?
0: The closest one was Raymond Long and Cal. I need Cal- Makani, or- bro. Makani. Oh, Cal, and Raymond Long all right there. What are yeah. you
1: guys doing? Well, I don't know if I could root for Canada that hard. I'd rather lose a prediction and Canada make another top eight. But-
0: Holy cow.
1: But Cal and Makani, bro, they were so close. All right. It was close, though. It was a close one.
0: Well, you know you took
1: the under, right? So you got No, it, right? I know. It was a close one. Like I, We almost got the. I almost got there. Next time, team.
0: We got him. <laughs> okay. And then yeah, like you said, highest place in Golden Go. I did predict the top base. I was just feeling a little frisky and game fun. Um, yeah, I guess after that, kind of just one big question. You know, moving forward at this point, two tournaments in a row. Your Tina V Star has won. Is Tina V Star worthy of the title? B D I F.
1: Um, I mean, I guess probably right. Like, I don't know. I I like when I when I play the deck. I'm still not a huge fan of how the deck plays, but. I don't know, we can't argue against, like, the consistent It's not really part of your play style. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I mean, you got Bradner, uh, top-aided, or got ninth earlier in the season. Didn't do as well at some of the last couple continued to play. Did pretty well overall, making the 2s Hoogar, doing pretty well overall as well, you know, consistently with it. Um, Didn't have as good of a showing here as the last couple. Um, See Vinny showing up, great player. Chose to play the Tina, did well uh john still got 19th after just winning portland like there, the consistency is there with the deck from the players um well bdif is weird i, I don't like bdif shouldn't theoretically change based on the meta so bdif i think it's still gardvore like the best deck in format but the format doesn't change it's always the card pool i think it's still Gardvor personally but like but can you really say that? But I guess you can, right? Because it has the meta changes. A deck could be, like, the best deck to play for, like, four tournaments in a row. But if it's an eight-tournament long meta, the last four could be, like, a bad play, right? That'd be fair. Sure. So, I mean, they're all good. Like, there's a lot of really good plays. Um, I think Tina's, Tina's maybe the best deck to play right now. It's a tier one deck in the meta right now. But I would still give Gordy, like, BDIF. Like, I don't think BDIF changes throughout the meta as the meta changes. Yeah. It's there's it's format versus
0: meta. Well, speaking of decks and what decks people are playing versus maybe what decks people say they're playing, we can talk about the Pokéstats Live situation. So, for anyone who doesn't know what Pokéstats Live is, so Pokéstats, I guess, has been around in the game for a long, long time. I think like 2016, 2017, somewhere around there. Right, whenever you know the cash era kind of started. I think around twenty sixteen, um, and it's always been, you know, it's kind of similar to Limitless, like tournament reporting. Uh, for a long time, one of the things Pokestats did that no one else really did is they compiled like League Cup data across the country. And uh, they also have a lot of information about like the Southeast Asia tournaments that a lot of other websites don't get really quickly. Yeah. Um, kind of like, like Indonesia like... and uh, um, like all that area, right? Um,
1: the major tournament info. Small tournament info. Yeah. I don't really do the league up thing anymore. But
0: um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, recently, it's you know been widely used by many people for the Pokestats live feature made by Jared Grimes, which is a tournament reporting uh, or like tournament tracking, I guess, website live where live tournament live yeah, tournament updates things. during the event where uh, players can report what they've played against, and then like if you or I was not at a tournament, you know, or whoever is not at a tournament. They could follow along at home and see like, oh, X person playing this, played against X person playing this, so-and-so in this matchup. You can keep up with who's still in contention for Top Cut and stuff. The website you can see like, um, you know, during the event kind of what's going down, who's playing what. Uh, But it's all community done, right? There's no way to know for sure like what each person is playing. It's all like, you know, people will play against someone, go on to Pokestats Live. And type in what they played against. And then that information gets tracked. Well,
1: the information that's out there that's like for sure correct is who's in the tournament, what their record is, who they're playing against, who they played against, and like what their resistance is, Um, who's going to advance today too, who will be advancing to top eight, who won in top eight, and so on. So, all that information, the matchups, um, is all correct. But like there is the feature on Pokestats Live where you can report what your opponent uh, were playing. And until recently, you could also report, which I didn't even know you could do. Um, and I thought it made sense that... I just thought you couldn't, oh, it and it made right sense here. that you couldn't, is up until recently, you could also report what deck you were playing. You could put your input your own deck if someone didn't already input your deck, and then um, these decks would be hidden during day one, um, but would become public uh, as soon as day two began.
0: And that was something Pokestats also did for a long time, is was, they yeah. compiled day two deck data. And so, like, for years and years, you know, Pokestats has compiled like are the people in day two and then this is what each person is playing. Like that's been on a thing that Pokerstats has done like for a, a very, very long time with day two tournaments. Yeah. Uh, and so for years, players, when they are getting ready to go play in their round, they'll go to Pokestats, they'll check it out, see what their opponent might Fonden be playing. Find yes. in their name. <laughs> and then uh, that way they can have a little bit more information going into their game. Now, there's been a big discussion around this, whether or not that is something that should be part of the game um a third-party site tracking the tournament uh giving players more information um and we actually i saw a tweet from uh eliza saying that let well, me just share yeah turn off oh i just realized i shared our document whatever <laughs> I, i'm i doing this on my laptop so i don't have all my screens i yeah. see everything um I'm sure about here leaking turn off self-reporting let stats keep showing decks There is zero reason player A with a large friend circle slash friends that scout should have an advantage over player B just because they don't have scouting resources. Pokestats evens the field. It's a great tool. Um, so like, you know, it's a big, in day two before, like regardless of Pokestats, if you have a big friend group, you know, you'll talk to each other and hear like, oh, X person's playing this, X person's playing this. But if you're just someone showing up to the tournament, you might not have that. You might not have that additional resource. So Eliza here saying that that kind of being something that exists levels the playing field, gives everyone a shot to kind of know what they might be up against. I mean, what do you think about Azul, you know, someone who's been a top competitor for a long time, you know, that information being something that's so easily available at every single tournament?
1: Um, I mean, it, for me, it always it kind of just felt fine the way it developed. I don't really like, again, I, like, I, I kind of like how PogiStats approached it. Well, my initial thought on how I thought they approached it, where it was like, not available in day one and you can't report your own deck but apparently you could the whole time i just didn't know you could you can't report your own deck and then it's a, it becomes available to everyone in day two of decks that other people reported that they were playing so i kind of liked that i thought that was fine kind of even the playing field a little bit um especially for someone like me a lot more people who know what i'm playing than i know what they're playing um so for me it's like okay well that just sounds like it evens the playing field more for me than anyone else um, which, you know, to be honest, I'm kind of fine with. But overall, I guess you could make that argument for that situation as well, where it's like, you know, you could have friends who have been walking around and looking at stuff, but if you don't have those people um, to talk to or work with, I don't know, I just, I, like, all in all, it just evens the playing field. But if there are people on the site false reporting decks, how should we view that, I guess is, like, a big question right now. Mm-hmm. And then is it one of those things where it's like, maybe we maybe it's, Fine that that happens, but you know, it's on you to uh, on how uh, guaranteed you take the data that's on Hats Live. Like, how much weight do you put in? Oh, it says my opponent's playing Charizard. Do I choose second now, even though my deck usually wants to go first?
0: Sure. And the false reporting is what led to the bulk of the discussion this week. There was a player on Twitter in some thread of replies who made a comment about how they went on to Pokestats Live and selected that they were playing Lugia as their deck. Yeah. They were not playing Lugia in the tournament. They were playing Charizard in the tournament. Uh, And by false reporting, they uh, were trying to gain an advantage by picking a deck that their opponent would see that they were playing Lugia and choose to go first. Lugia is a deck that you would definitely want to go first with. Yep. uh, First against with most decks. Yep. They were playing Charizard, which is a deck that basically always wants to go second. Like yeah. all, in almost every matchup, right? Charizard wants to go second. So this discussion, you know, kind of came up around, you know, some people saying that this is based, and like, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, this is someone using all the tools available to them to their advantage, you know, to try to get as much of an edge as they can. But other people saying, you know, this is you know, doing something to try to deceive your opponent. Uh and that's kind of the camp I fall in, you know. If you it's literally you can say that you feel like it's you're doing something to give you a competitive advantage. And you are, you're doing something that gives yeah. you a competitive advantage, but you're also lying, right? Yeah. Knowingly and willingly doing it with a You are choosing to lie, choosing to try to, the intent is there to try to deceive your opponent to gain an advantage, right? Which whether or not that's against the rules, against the spirit... of the, I feel like that's definitely against the spirit of the game. I don't know that it's necessarily outlined in the rules that something like that is explicitly not allowed, would be considered yeah. cheating, or whatever. Uh, but just to me, like, morally, you know, I think approaching pretty much any facet of life with the mindset of trying to deceive or lie to get ahead and get an advantage is... Uh, just not going to get you very far in life. I yeah. don't know. That's my opinion on the whole situation.
1: I, I think I agree mostly with that. I definitely, like, I, I guess I'm, like, not 100% committed to the idea that it's wrong morally. But it feels weird. Like, I saw it and I was like, I would never do that. It feels weird that they did that. And I guess that's almost, like, just enough for me to be like, yeah, then that just kind of makes it, in my opinion, more, like, morally wrong as well to do that. Um, like, usually, that, usually that, what that, that's what that feeling means. When you feel that way, it's like you do feel some way about it. Uh, a negative way about it. And it does feel weird and feel wrong that they went another way to do that because the other way they could have approached it would have been instead of setting their deck to a deck that wants to go first as opposed to the deck they are playing that wants to go second, if they just set it to Robo Substitute, which is like an option on Pokestats Live for like unknown decks. You can set it to Robo Substitute to just be like a placeholder. And if they do that, it's like I don't care if my opponent chooses first or second. I just don't want them to choose first or second based on, based on what, what my yeah. deck is. And if you choose Robo Substitute... They'll just pick first or second, which is best for their deck neutrally, not based on what your the opponent's playing. Um, so they definitely were like, you could have if they had taken that approach, I would have been, I would have felt less weird about it. I agree. Yeah. Um, I would have been like, oh, okay. They just want to be like, I, they just want to be like, I just want to sit down and have my opponent pick first or second based on their deck, not my deck. Sure. Um, now, of course, if they had just seen what they were playing earlier in the day and just knew that they just can, and that's kind of goes back to the thing of like, should we just even the playing field at that point? Then, also, right? sometimes
0: you just like randomly sit next to someone and, like, recognize them and know what they yeah. were playing, you yeah. know? Especially in day two, that, like, that happens way more often. Like, you sit next well, to someone. a lot less now. Another they got, like, 200 people. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um,
1: it's one of those things where it's, like, you could, if you're in day two, after you finish the first round of day two, you could walk around and, like, write down what a lot of people are playing. And it's, like, yeah, anyone can do that, but they have to put in the work. Or should we just make it easier and give everyone access to it through Pokestats? And to be honest, the more that I think about it now, another dis- more discussions that kind of like popped up and resurfaced around this discussion happening was episode three versus best of one. And should we have to check, how do we check our prize card? Like so many discussions I saw pop up so on Twitter. So many discussions, yeah. Um, and my current stance on the prize card thing, because it popped up, which kind of leads back to this is, I'm currently fine with the idea. The prize
0: card thing, by the way, oh, yeah, go ahead. is that uh, there's, you know, some people who think like there should be a rule that uh, players at the beginning of the game, you know, as soon as they do their first deck search, can just flip over and look at their prize cards. Take note of what those six prize cards are, shuffle the prizes, lay them back out to save time.
1: Yeah, yeah, to save time, just to like keep us playing more Pokemon. This is what I actually tell people when I talk about prize cards, is like checking your prize cards really isn't playing Pokemon. And if you are the better player and the more prepared player, which you want to assume you are when you play against someone, then you want to play as much Pokemon as possible. So that's why being efficient with prize checking is so important, so you can find like all six of your prize cards in a timely manner. So you don't get like uh, any kind of time time penalties against you, slow play penalties, but you still know your prize cards. And that's why I think it is a skill to develop in the Pokemon TCG. Because if your opponent, like I say, you both spend 30 seconds checking your prize cards, but your opponent finds two of their prize cards and you find all six of yours. Like you just have more information to work with for the rest of the game. Um, and I'm currently in the camp for that of, if I had to choose, I would say, I don't think, We should let people just look at their prize cards before the match starts because the general player place is not proving that they actually check their prize cards at all. So I still want that advantage while people aren't going to be disciplined players and actually check their prize cards. I win so many games because my opponent pick up their deck after they play an ultra ball and then they're like, yep. And then they go back and then they misplayed and because they didn't check their prize cards, they thought something was there when it wasn't. Uh, They waste their ultra ball. They burn cards with the ultra ball, whatever it might be. And now they can't make a different play around it. So until people like prove that they are actually going to be... A a majority of the player base proves that they're going to be consistent with checking their prize cards and not having to impact their games as much. Then I'm on the camp of, I want prize checking to remain part of the game. Um, Now, if Pokemon Tomorrow came out and said, uh, at the beginning of each game, you can pick up your six prize cards and look at them, or look at them before you set them out, or whatever, some kind of change around that, I wouldn't really care. But currently, I'm not advocating for it, because people do not check their prize cards. Um, so I feel like it's just the people who are asking for to be able to look pick up their six prize cards and look at them are just. Uh just want to continue being lazy and not check their prize cards. That's how I feel about it personally. <laughs> in the current situation, the current landscape of things, I think it's just people who don't who just want to continue being lazy and not checking their prize cards, or going through or learning a process and learning a method to actually checking their prize cards efficiently. And it's something I need to work on more myself, actually. That personally.
0: that I think is where the biggest skill comes in, right? Because anyone can memorize sixty cards, yeah, and take yeah. unlimited time and figure out what six prize cards are prized. Yep. You know, some people it might take longer than others. And that's where the skill is, is efficiently being able to do it. And actually, Henry Brand put out a kind of interesting video recently where he talked about this, about, like, the order in which he feels yeah. like it's optimal to check, like, your energies and Pokemon first, because those are, I think that's what he said, right? Because they're, like, your highest counts. Um, Dude, yeah, like, literally if
1: you play a deck And then check your with, four of cards. If you play a Marana deck, like, when I go through one of my first check and I do pull my Pokemon to the front, like, I count my lightning, like, for Marana, I count my lightning energy on my way through if you prize, like, three lighting energy, that's half your prize cards. You're halfway there. Yeah. So, that's how I've been checking my prize cards for a while. Um, Grant tells me. Grant, which Grant? Grant Manly tells me. Oh, gosh. He starts, like, four Seelstone and an Escape Rope. And I was like, bro, you don't even count your lighting energy when you pass through your deck? It's like, that does that's half your work. That's half the job is done. <laughs> well, on your pass through, just count your energy. And he's like, eh, I don't know, man. Is it, it's that important? And then he complains about being unlucky. I'm like, bro, I can't, man. I can't uh but yeah if if the vast majority of player base was was actually diligent and like um sufficient with checking their price cards then i would advocate for just everyone looking at their price cards but y'all are lazy man y'all just gotta like y'all y'all are just being lazy with it just learn how to do it efficiently um yeah because right now that's what it feels like to me just like an excuse to not be or to continue to be lazy and not just learn how to do it uh efficiently so um, um, that was one of the things that came up from that. There was a lot of like, people, people brought up everything, I feel like, around open this. Open deck list. Yeah, open deck list, closed deck list. Like, everything was brought up around this. Like, maybe not all of it just on the Pokestats thing, but like after this weekend, everything was brought up again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> everything surfaced. Um, Crazy weekend
1: on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, but for the Pokestats thing, I don't know. I th- I, I feel. and that, but, So, my point was that if I feel like doing the extra work for the prize card things, then maybe maybe my opinion on I guess they can be separate, but maybe my opinion on the Pokestats thing is that Pokéstats should be shut shut down. Pokéstats live, and then you know you should have to walk around with a pen and paper and write down people's checklists if you what, if you really what, want that if you really want advantage. that information. But 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 I think the more important part is to make the game more accessible and more of a something for people to want to watch and follow. So I think Pokéstats live should stick around just so people can go to Pokéstats live while the tournament's running and look at what people are playing and look up what matchups are happening and look what maybe some of their favorite players or top players and what they're playing and how they're doing, yep. what they match up against. I think it should stick around simply for that purpose because it's better for the game. It's better for the Whether game. Whether you like it or dislike it, um, as long as it isn't a... Uh, uh, it's, it removes competitive integrity, which I don't think it does really, as long as it doesn't like hurt competitive integrity... It is neutrally good for the game for people to be able to go to Pokestats Live and follow the tournaments with like live updates, like the way you can currently yeah. on it. So I think overall we should just have it based on that. Like, and that's usually my decision for these kind of things is like if it's helpful for the growth of the game, it should stay and should exist. If it can hurt it and it doesn't see and it seems kind of toxic, then it probably should go. If it can hurt it or it's neutral to the growth of the game. But I think Pokestats Live is only a, a plus or a positive in, in the ways of like the growth of the game.
0: Well, with all that being said, we can move on in the show. And before we get to our next segment, we do need to take a moment to thank our fantastic sponsor, Dragon Shield, for supporting us here at the Uncommon Energy Podcast. You guys know them, the best sleeves in the game. They make all kinds of other products as well. The deck boxes, the binders, uh, the inner sleeves, the outer sleeves. You guys were telling us, we, we, I think it was on our Patreon, someone was telling us about a triple-sleeved deck they had. Now, I don't know that I'd necessarily recommend that, but if you're crazy... <laughs> you can do it it's something that can be done it's possible with the inner sleeves the outer sleeves if you want to use the etb sleeves you can use the dragon shield outer sleeves right that's what someone said that they really like to do um but yeah we love to use just the regular dragon shield sleeves what did you rock this weekend as well at charlotte I had the tangerines big fan of the mats as always and yeah i had the the matte
1: tangerines uh and they served me well um i only re-sleeved once chip would be proud of me day one to day two okay okay um, I, i'd be hard pressed to never do that re sleeve. that's what like the one i'm
0: yeah sure i think that's doing. fine and it's not necessary to do azul's just it's just me it's just him <laughs> i do
1: recommend always checking your sleeves though of course like no matter what you
0: can replace some damaged ones like, yeah 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 wear and tear happens of you course, throughout replace a long the tournament. whole
1: the whole 60 but yeah huge shout out to dragon child as always being a sponsor of the podcast here with the link in the description over on the youtube side of things to use our referral link you can use also use code uepod to receive five percent off and directly support us with any purchases you make over there at dragonshield.com and with that said up next we got guess that flavor text it is my week to pick a card for chip where i will read the flavor text on the card and the chip will try and guess what pokemon that card belongs to if you can write without using any lifelines you get
0: four wow points
1: for each lifeline you use Get One less point, the lifelines are what set the card is from, what stage the card is, and reading the attack name.
0: So we've got a viewer of the podcast. Shoutouts to Tim and Games. They made a Guess That Flavor Text tracker for us, and they've been updating it. We've been referencing it to try to remember what cards we picked, all that stuff, Uh, and what the score is and all that. So shoutouts to Tim and Games. The score is currently 16 to 11, but I just noticed from a couple weeks ago where you picked Barboach, Instead of just writing that I didn't use any lifelines and that I got zero points, they wrote stage, crossed it out, because I should have guessed stage, because I knew it was either Whizcash or Barboach. Then they wrote three for chip, and then crossed it out, crossed through. (laughs) Absolute savage. Rescinded shout-out. That's
1: that's pretty funny. What could have been? What could have been? Bed. What's it was right the there? Be? You even said Barboch's name. You were
0: like, "Oh, Barboch
1: or Wishcash? I'm
0: sure it's not as bad of a punt as something you've done. All right. Anyway, go ahead. Why well, still got the one point on the ice cube? It's your turn this week. All to... Right. Gosh, you finally are saying it right. By the way,
1: Bar- you remember Wish you cash? used
0: no ice cube. Oh, ice do you cube. not remember how you used to S-Q? say it? S Q. Are you? Hitting me, man, SQ. All right, look away so I can pull okay, it up. Okay, I have it okay, okay. here. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll yeah.
1: pull it up and read it, and then if, when we get into the other Make things... sure they
0: can't see it as well. Oh. Uh, well, can you? Well, let me see. Oh, you're not looking. I will look. No, no they going. can't see it. Okay, okay, you ready? You're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's hear it.
1: <laughs> There's a hole in its tail that allows it to draw in the air it needs to keep its fire burning. If the hole gets blocked, this Pokemon will fall
0: ill. I feel like you did this one, like, recently. Really? Yes. I don't think so. This sounds so familiar. I'm pretty sure I have not. Say it one more time. There's a hole in its
1: tail that allows it to draw in the air it needs to keep its fire burning. If the hole gets blocked,
0: this Pokemon will fall ill. Maybe someone came up to me at a regionals and read this to me. All right, let me... They're leaking? Well, you're... Are, is it on the screen? No. Okay. Well, I'm gonna need some lifelines here. Okay. Well, I'm back <laughs> okay. <up. laughs> Let me go with what's uh what, what set the card is from? Sword and Shield. A hole in its tail. Sword and Shield. Fire burning inside. The fire Pokemon in Sword and Shield is like Scorch and Sizzlipede. They don't have holes or tails. Well, I mean, I guess they have holes, right? They've got a mouth, right? Uh, and, like, I mean, one of my one. thoughts would be numal, right? Like, the hole, but that's not its tail. That's its back. Coracle is another one. Dude, oh! I don't remember. It's Heatmore.
1: Locking it? Yeah, it's Heatmore. It is Heatmore. You
0: definitely did this one. No. Someone did. Someone, I have...
1: Well, look it up. Just search.
0: I have heard page. this recently. Searching page. I don't think we've done this. Doesn't sound familiar to me. No. Oh, okay. Someone literally came up to me at a regionals and did this. They leaked it. Oh, yeah, I oh guess um, so. Is that where you got it from? Maybe no. they did it to both of us.
1: That's not where I got it from at all. Three points.
0: Three points, Dude, buddy. It's this one. I see it oh never nope. mind I don't see it you don't see it
1: dude I like literally realized that I was tripping with the over under thing earlier I thought like under 1.5 meant I had to at least have one
0: that's what I knew you were tripping yeah I
1: knew I was tripping because I was like yeah I need one. Oh, but I just but won. it was I less than won you yeah.
0: won the prediction oh shoot. alright congratulations well, to me well there's there's more with the hole in its tail Shout outs to whoever read this to me at a regionals dude, so that yeah, I could yeah. get three points but come read more flavor text and that me
1: at regionals like, you're not I'm gonna ahead.
0: retain the information it doesn't that's matter
1: sh- <laughs> oh. Hey, I remember Darumaku or whatever.
0: You still aren't saying his name, right? Darumaka. Oh, Darumaka. Anyway, we can move on to the Liverpool regionals. Coming up this weekend, really busy month here for Pokemon. We've had Charlotte this weekend, Liverpool next weekend. Yep. The weekend after that is Knoxville regionals. Back to back to back tournaments. Run it back. Last regionals as well in Liverpool for this rotation, for this format, right? Rotation will happen. You mean in Europe? In Europe, yes, 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 yes. sorry. Last tournament in Europe this weekend before rotation happens. Yeah, here we go. Liverpool this weekend. Based on what happened this weekend in Charlotte, what kind of shifts for the meta do you expect to see right away? Is Zard going to be the most popular deck of the tournament?
1: Probably? Still? Like, it's already... Like, because sometimes it feels like there's some decks that are... I don't know if that's true, but more or less popular in Europe is, like, something that comes up. Like, Arceus is one of the decks that I would always go... Guardi, I think, will be at 10%. Like, I definitely predicted Guardi to be 10% at this tournament. It was 7.6. I think in Europe... Europe does like Guardi more, I feel like. I think that's fair to say. I think we'll see 10% from Guardi. Will Roaring Moon be 9? I don't think Roaring Moon's going to be on the graphic again. I couldn't see that happening. I could be wrong. Um, Charizard being number one, or at least close to Tina,
0: makes sense. Um, Mew... Oh! There's another tournament before EUIC, bro. Well, I don't know. You There's a tournament. To it. Well, I asked you before we started, and you are like, yeah. Oh. I was like, that made sense to me. Oh, my gosh. There's another tournament in Europe. Dortmund. Not... Dortmund Regionals in February in Germany. All right. Chip's
1: bad. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it'll be pretty similar. I don't, like, I'm looking at the Day 1 meta. If you want to pull that up for them, it we can just look at that and kind of go off that. Day 1 meta from Charlotte. Uh, Guardy, like I said, probably up to ten from its six point five. Mu will probably, like, I think Roar and Moon just gets replaced would be my guess, but maybe it'll be this number six at like seven percent. It being ten percent would be a little bit interesting to me, but um, yeah, I don't know if you feel any different about. It. Do you think Moon is a? Do you think it can? Yeah,
0: no, it can I think it'll be power? up. Here.
1: Uh, it'll be up here, but not well. You think it has staying power. Honestly, yeah, yeah maybe yeah. it is. Do you yeah. think it'll
0: be six or do you think it'll be above Mu again? I don't, I, think think it'll... I don't think it. Be... I don't think it beats out Maraidon. Well, Kena, we are Orson. talking about Europe. So is it, can it be above Mew, you know, like Mew is going to be, Mew is going to be Mew, right? Well, yeah. I don't know that Mew is always the most popular in Europe, but it always it's wins not that in popular. Europe.
1: It does win. Okay, is that just a meme or does it actually win that much? It actually wins that much, right? It's
0: won enough. It's won too much. How much, How much Any won? wins are too much. You can sort by region, by the way. Oh, yeah, shoot. Sure. I forgot that. He's All looking right. on the list right now. All right. Gdansk, control, Lil Mew. Barcelona,
1: for sure. That, was, that would have been going from Mew to... Oh, Mew got second at the special event in
0: turn. Mew stays in top eight of European regionals, but Mew's in top eight of our regionals pretty often as well, so... You know what? It wins most of them. <laughs> it wins more than anything else. Oh, uh, man.
1: Um... Yeah, Mu. I, I don't know. I, like, Guardi's the only one that I would, I would be confident saying is going to get more popular. Roger being 17 again seems like a lot, but, I mean, it's been so popular for so long, maybe it stays. i, I think, like kind of
0: lost. I think this is when we're going to see Tina overtake, right? Well, they hold have on, had, hold
1: on. This is, like, another thing, though. These events are so close. Is there time? There's no, is there no well, adjustment, not Well, no, right?
0: but I, don't th- I think that that is why we didn't see Tina overtake in Charlotte. Are they going to
1: work more on of like the Portland yes, results? Yes,
0: That's what I'm kind of thinking, right? Okay, okay. So I'm pre- going to predict Tina's going to be more popular in uh liverpool and then also i'll predict that regardless of what happens in liverpool that tina will be the most popular deck in, in knoxville you're already gonna lock
1: that in yeah all right yeah i mean i could see it i mean yeah i, th- I think it should be right um uh, i guess like the one thing you can always kind of go back to though is, like it is a it is a tough deck like but but we saw it be 16 percent at the first regional of the year in Peoria, yep. yep. right yep. it was 16 percent, the most popular deck by a decent amount um
0: so and people do it like once. it. I mean, Dan Hugar, when he got top eight in San Antonio, right? Um, one of the things he said in one of his winners interviews was like, uh, I like playing this deck because it doesn't matter what I sit down across from. I know yeah. I have a chance. Yeah, when, yeah, You know, like I'm never like out of a game when the card gets flipped over. It's kind of like the
1: Guardi of of this format, where Guardy felt like that last format or maybe the format before, I don't remember. But Guardy felt like it was like, all right, I can kind of beat everything, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um but that definitely is that's what Tina is this format for sure. You sit down and you're like, oh, I can kinda beat everything. Um it's kind of cool. But yeah, I yeah, I could see that happening. So Tina number one, Charizard number two, who's number three then? Maridon, Guardi.
0: Probably Maridon. Guardy number four, or you do you think Mew I, or moon slips? I think Guardy uh, Guardi can come in right there at that spot and then Mew moon interchangeable there at the six. That would be my prediction. Yeah. I think going in Does, what would be what's the next deck? What's number seven? Right off the list, probably the rapid, rapid Strike, strike still, rapid, yeah.
1: I don't know. I feel like it's fallen.
0: Well, it has fallen, was... but I think it's enticing to see those... Well, Lost
1: Box can't be far, though, right? Because that's what, that's what Moon Replace kind of here is Sure. And
0: then the other thing, too, is I think for a while at the start of this format, people were like, oh, yeah, Urshifu uh, beats Maridon but like, as this tournament, as this format has gone on, I think people have realized that's not necessarily the case. Well, for the peony build specifically. Yeah, the MVP peony already. build, now that it's becoming more popular, Urshifu is way less enticing because the peony build can be so aggressive. And I mean, especially if they're playing catchers as well, right? Yeah, like, they're coming after you. Yeah, it feels like a tougher matchup, honestly, for the Urshifu. Urshifu to Urshifu on this one. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Go uh,
1: I, I feel like we keep seeing these Urshifu players have really good starts. I'm thinking back to uh, Victor at San Antonio with Krekler, or not San Antonio, no, it's in, No, no, uh, Sacramento mm-hmm. with Krekler, really good starts, fell off. Krekler had a good start at this one as well. Yep, 8-1 we um, in day one. I think we had some good players start, like Riley is one I remember um, at at San Antonio, who had a really good start going into day two, and it's like the next... was like 11-1-1 at some I think point. the next inconsistencies like, do catch up to it throughout how many rounds you play throughout a tournament. You know, if we stopped after day one and we were into cut, the Urshies would be in their top cut spots, but... It does catch up to it eventually. You know, you start playing against the better players, punishing the, the slower starts from the Urshifu player, not not open, leaving opportunities and openings for the Urshifu players to punish you for making yeah. mistakes. Um and then the inconsistency of the deck, I think you cut catch up to it over a fifteen round tournament. Um, so yeah. Uh, I, I I don't think it'll make it I think it will be I think Lostbox is probably number seven there and could be on this the sheet over Mew or uh, or a roaring moon. Well, but what
0: are you feeling? Just kind of going into this weekend, you're playing in Liverpool. We haven't done this in a while. You want to do, like, top two decks or something like that? Sure, That sure. you would play this weekend? We haven't done this in a... We used to do yeah. this, like, almost every regionals. Uh, I think one, for me, uh, would probably still just be the Charizard. It's pretty good. It is still just really good. And it does really good against some of the stuff that is picking up the hype, right? The Roaring Moons. And... Maradon's kind of making... The Maradon is still doing well. I think... I wasn't super in on radiant charizard for this weekend as much as you were i know like you liked it a lot in your list obviously that's the one you put out that you thought was good for the tournament um and it did end up doing well but i think because marina and moon like inexplicably were way more popular (laughs) than i think people expected it to be right uh so like if that trend continues i like charizard a lot probably for my number one pick what about you
1: yeah, but I mean, if Radiant charger becomes the norm in Charizard again, I think Roaring Moon's like un like unplayable. Like I think because they've cut it, it makes Roaring Moon like, okay, sure, sure, I can sure. beat some Charizards that, you know, don't draw everything or don't get those aggressive as starts. But if Redding charger becomes the norm in ready in Charizard again, I think Warren Moon is uh he's just it goes back to being like, eh, this is a pretty bad deck. Um I guess to go back to like the hands, which means you're not as consistent as something like the Ross build, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I think Charizard would, would be one of them. I think Maraidon's the other one. Like the meta, I think is gonna get better for Maraidon. I think we're gonna see more Tina, more Guardi. Um Good things from Maraidon. It's not gonna get as it's not gonna even get as good as I thought. Charlotte would have been for Maraidon. It won't even get that good. But I, the P&E Maraidon build is just the next good. I think you're favored against Tina. I like decently favored against Tina. So uh, it's like one of the few decks I think that is. I think Moon is also favored against Tina.
0: Yeah, that's what Vinny um, said as well. He felt like Moon was a bad matchup.
1: But Moon is tougher into. Guard for And I think Moon is actually tougher into Charizard. I think I'd maybe rather play Peony Maridon into Charizard than the Moon. But it's pretty close because they both have a tough time. They both have a tough time against Charizard. Yeah,
0: well, you at least can just get off to the faster start with Maridon with
1: hands, really.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, think... if, they
1: both, if Charizard has Radzard, it's kind of bad for both of them. I
0: think case. for me, my second deck would probably be uh, DTE-Mew, to be okay. honest. It's not Fusion-Mew, Mu, DTE-Mew. Mu. I just want to draw cards, consistent, burn through the deck, and cross my fingers that I don't play any spirit units. That's a, I would probably play like the Rob Vance Kelly list, something like that. Yeah, like, yeah. Rob Vance, <laughs> the Rob Vance list. Shout out to Rob Vance. <laughs> I
1: that said sounds... one person's,
0: I said one person's last name and one person's first name. Yeah, like, and like in the wrong order as uh, well. Yeah. Not Vance Rob. The, ultimate, Rob. the ultimate
1: Mew player, Rob Vance. <laughs> I don't think it sounds like a car salesman. I'm trying to sell you on DTE. <laughs> it's
0: great. Rob Vance, Vance Refrigeration. Is that
1: Bob Vance? Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, Rob know. Vance, Mew, DTE, Incorporate. Mew, <laughs> yeah. I would lean that direction. Uh, just draw some cards and, you know. Yeah, you can't knock go wrong stuff with DTE, Mew. I mean, you in general. You can, like, you can.
1: Well, I feel like you. Well, I don't know with the Moon hype, though. Can you go wrong? Maybe we are going wrong with Mew. I, mean, mm-hmm. I didn't really factor that in. It's like, okay, Charizard has been 17%. We still see Mews doing fine. The matchup's not terrible. Theoretically, Charizard is going to come down a little bit. But now with this Moon stuff going on.
0: Yeah, I, with the double box, I think. It's pretty tough. It is definitely not a good matchup. I thought it was bad. I don't think it's, as, I don't think it's like 2080. I think it might be with the Moltres. Because when we
1: were testing it before LAIC, sure, sure, we, sure, sure. we didn't have Moltres in our build. Um, but we we even, like, instinctively knew before then, it's like, as soon as the maltress gets involved, if that's a better way to play it, how do you deal with that extra energy, that self-sufficient yeah, that yeah, attacker, yeah, yeah. the forest sealstone for more consistency under path? Um, I don't know. That might be, honestly, Europeans, it might be time to put the Mew down. They might even
0: put it down. <laughs> with
1: Moon out there like this, how can you pick up the Mew?
0: Well, let's do our predictions here, uh, you know, keeping with the trend of the Mew in Europe, will Mew... Win the regional championships this weekend in Europe. Of we, course. Okay. You're just locking it in right <laughs> that's away. A dub, that's a dub. Mew is getting there. I think Zard is still a little too popular personally, so I'm going with no for the Mew to win. Um, I think it just will get checked by the Zard a little too much. Oh, but it's not the last one. It is not its last regionals, yeah. So
1: maybe I say no because it would be more entertaining if it won Dortmund. Okay. So they have to go... We're going double no? No, we're going yes. It'll win both. That'll be epic. That'll be insane.
0: Insane. Okay, over under... Oh, we didn't even set a line. Over under 1.5 Giratina I think V-Star. 2.5. Okay, 2.5 Giratina V-Star in top eight. Over under 2.5 Giratina V-Star. Azul, what do you think? I can, I can go first, actually, because I normally make you go first, I guess. All right, go for it. To make it fair... I'm going to take the under. No faith in the Giratina.
1: I mean, the question just is, is Alberto Conti going to show up?
0: Well, yeah, he's he's one, right? And yeah, he's one won. other person can make it in. Well, and the I Europeans, would still take the under, you know. What other
1: Europeans play Tina? I gotta know
0: what other Europeans play A lot of play wild play cards Tina. out there. I could,
1: see, I could see Tord rolling up with Tina, to be honest.
0: So, like, what if Tord plays his, like, lost pile with a 1-1 Tina, that doesn't count as lost no, Tina. No, 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 Okay, no. No.
1: okay. No, it's archetype lost Tina, archetype lost pile.
0: Okay. Um... I'm going to go over. We're going to go over. We at least have Alberto locked up. That's one. And that's on par with what happened this weekend. We'll see if that holds crew.
1: And that's how That's was going to make it such an easy dub for the Mew. <laughs> okay. Literally,
0: so many gear. That is Tina. fair. You're, You're being consistent. And then beats yeah.
1: Alberto in the finals. Um, Alberto Man. Azul just doesn't All want right. to give my, it to you. This is, my, this is my... I've been doing this a little bit more. My in-depth or what is it... What would you even call it? It's my crazy prediction of the tournament is Alberto makes finals with lost Tina
0: okay. and loses to Mew. Okay. Any specific Mew player?
1: And Alberto does not tech for the Mew. No no Mew champion. Any specific Mew player? I mean, to be honest, every time a Mew player from Europe has won, I've never known who they are. Not to say they're not, you know... Sure. That's one thing, actually, like, we've talked about, is like, um, like, when, like uh, when some North American players get top eight or win in North America, me and you are like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But I'm sure there's a lot of other players around the world in other regions that are like, who the heck is this? Right? Yeah, uh, and like for, a, When yeah, we look yeah. at European results, we're like, I don't recognize any of these names. I don't know who these players are. But I'm sure if you're in Europe, you're like, okay, yeah, that's a solid player. Them in top eight makes sense. Them winning makes sense, you know. Um, So, person I don't know. <laughs> Alberto loses to a Mew player in the finals to so a person I don't know. That's then the answer. And
0: our last prediction. But I do know them after they win. Last prediction. What deck will Cord play to the tournaments? Well, it can't be Mew because then I would know him. When he beats Alberto in the finals, (laughs) I like how you're just like being as consistent as you can across (laughs) your three picks. Like, I'm gonna make sure they all track. Nothing is, you know, overlapping. So to increase my odds,
1: Tord's deck also has to lose to Tina and Mew, or at least be unfavored. Probably.
0: You think Um, Tord is gonna play a deck that's unfavored to Tina and Mew?
1: Maybe not, but Alberto could play him for sure with the Tina. I got faith in Alberto. So. I really want to say Tord's going to show up with Guardi if Tord does show up. I know Tord was like planning to take a break over like the last month or so. Like, I think he even tweeted out like not going to anything anytime soon because he was going to a lot of of North American stuff. He was yeah, in China last year. Yeah, weekend. he was just in China, but that's different. Yeah, sure. That sounded like it was super cool. I wish I had had time to tune into that and see what they were, were after because what format was it? It was like Ursh and Teleon. Team up through Chilling Rain. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's that, that was pretty sick. That was cool that uh, he got to do that. Let's go with the. Do you think he's going to still be feeling. Urshi and Teleon is gonna run it up in standard with Rapid Strike. <laughs> That's up to you, buddy. Let's go for it. Let's lock in Rapid Strike. I'm gonna lock in Rapid Strike for Tord. He just couldn't get enough of the Foo, and he had to play it at Liverpool.
0: I'm going to the Mew and Top 4. I'm going with a definite lost pile here. Another pile. Do you think, we'll be, do you think it'll be different?
1: Will yes. It be in a, will it be yes. just like a cleaner version of the Tina build or we're like Well, it'll
0: be it'll be something similar to his last list with like Improvements like a couple changes. Well, it yeah, maybe the last 60. But I feel like it was a really cool
1: adjustment when Tor went from the no Tina to the Tina,
0: like the Palkia to the Tina. Yeah, so from the Palkia to the
1: Tina. So, are we going to see something like no Radiant Greninja now, but plus Radiant Charizard? you gonna be like that kind of switch up, or it'll be I just know. be like, no, it's he's like still like gonna a, have Ogre and stuff like that. It'll just make a slightly cleaner Ogre Tina Moon build, Ogre Tina Moon Handsbone.
0: Yeah, but I don't even actually know how much he could clean it up from what his last list was. To be honest, so I'm sure he'll have some adjustments. It'll then. be very. I bet it's like within fifty-seven cards of his last oh, yeah, lost yeah, pile yeah. list, something that's like reasonable. that. That's, that's what I'm f- saying, like one or two
1: differences. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay.
0: Okay. Well, as well, I think that's all we have for our main episode this week. We're going to get into the bonus episode exclusively over on Patreon here shortly. But in the meantime, we do got to say, Oops, did I just cut off my mic? I think we're good thanks so much to everyone for listening and the support as always go check out the new uncommon energy channel if you haven't go watch the evolution series we really appreciate all the support we've gotten over there already and hopefully we'll have more episodes coming shortly um and if you want to stay up to date with us or the podcast the best place to do it is over on twitter you can follow myself at Chipperchi azul Nick Azul underscore GG. You can follow the podcast at uncommon underscore energy. Yeah, Appreciate the support
1: as always. Good luck to everyone going to Liverpool. Bring your Drapions, bring your Spirit Tombs, or don't because I need you to win the thing. Leave them at home, actually. Yeah. Do that. Alberto, do not play Spirit Tomb. I need you to lose in the finals. Appreciate it. And uh, yeah, catch you all next week, uh, Wednesday mornings at 7 a.m. Eastern. See ya.